Today's gospel is certainly one of the most famous parables in Luke's gospel, this of the rich man with the poor Lazarus at his doorstep who he overlooks day after day. Um, I want to suggest that Jesus is actually doing something very merciful by telling this story and to whom he's telling it. It's important to recall the first words in the gospel today. Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees, we know that term very well, I think, because in common parlance, when we talk about a Pharisee, it's usually somebody who's very uh, pious and sort of studious, knows the scriptures and can uh, teach those things, is very particular in practice. But oftentimes, uh, he's so outward pointing. Uh, he's looking at others and kind of telling them how they should do things that he doesn't really take care of his own uh, spiritual life to the fullest degree. Another aspect of Pharisaism, you could say, is uh, they also will, are, while they're full of laws, they tend to cut themselves slack and not follow a lot of the things that they do themselves, that they proclaim that should be followed as well. So they're cutting corners in that way. But Jesus is doing a merciful thing in telling this particular story to the Pharisees because on the surface it looks like uh, it's the simple story of charity gone wrong. A man had plentiful uh, material goods, but he didn't share those with a poor person. I'd like to go beyond that and say I think what Jesus is trying to teach the Pharisees and in turn all of us is that the Pharisees were the holders of Israel's greatest gift. God had begun to reveal who he was to the human race through the people of Israel. The Pharisees were teachers of this great faith tradition. They studied and interpreted scriptures and so were able to teach about God's revelation to their people. But because of the way they were doing it, they weren't really fully living it. They weren't really becoming the full teachers that they were called to be. They weren't uh, the best representatives of that revelation. Because the revelation inherently is that God reveals himself as mercy. If we really go back and reinterpret all of the Old Testament in light of Jesus Christ, we see that God all the way through from the very beginning has been revealing himself as a God of mercy. And so what happened was the Pharisees kind of took those revelations and made them into uh, a burdensome law in a sense that it just became about following these things for no particular reason. They had lost track of the relationship they had with God and how to teach that relationship, how to impart that relationship and invite others into that relationship with God, who is mercy. And I think that's really the image of the scraps falling from the table, that Lazarus represents the people who God wanted to receive that message of his love, of his mercy. He wanted them to know who he was. But the teachers of the faith at this time were falling short. They weren't letting the scraps, in a sense, overflow off the table into the lives of their people. So it's merciful that Jesus is telling them this because he's trying to call them to conversion. He's trying to help them see what their own responsibility is in passing on the faith to others and challenging them at the same time to 
uh, both come before this God who is mercy to understand their own sins in light of God's mercy, not to give in to those sins and to keep giving in to those. And it says just a few lines before this in the gospel that they had a great love of money. So one of their sins in, in a certain sense is definitely greed. But not to let those sins corrupt the call to this relationship of God's mercy. So that's a good thing. Now, Jesus is doing that as well for us. We have received a great gift of God's mercy in the person of Jesus Christ. Where the Pharisees fall short and where we often do in our own practice of the faith, myself included, all of us, uh, while we strive to follow Christ, we fall short. Sin is simply missing the mark. And there are some sins that are very grave and some that are very minor in terms of evaluation and judgment of those sins. But we all kind of fall short. By ourselves, we would never be able to live the full life of mercy without God's intervention. And the intervention that God sends is his son, Jesus Christ, who in his person lives the full revelation of God. Everything from the very beginning, from God's creation of man, God's revelation of the law, the Ten Commandments, God's call of the prophets to Israel to live that law as a sign of their following in that covenant with God. Jesus does what no person could have done. He lives God's covenant to the full laying down his life in love for his Father in heaven and in love for the people that God has called to himself, you and I, all of us. He's lived the full extent of the Ten Commandments. Now, it's important to realize that he continues to call those who want to follow him to follow that way of life that God began to reveal in the Old Testament. Ten Commandments are not abrogated by Jesus' sacrifice. But he's giving us something to help live them out. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us for hope. Uh, the hope to encourage us not to give in to despair when we realize our sins, but to go through those with the Holy Spirit saying, being able to say convic convincingly to ourselves, yes, this was sin, and I need to turn away from that because God is calling me to live like Jesus, to live the life of holiness in the very person of Christ. The Holy Spirit leads us to that if we are willing to follow it. And so for us, we realize that following the Ten Commandments isn't simply about following the rules because they're rules in and of themselves, but because by striving to follow those, the Ten Commandments, the Beatitudes, all the laws, all the commands that Jesus gave us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, to love God above all, as we strive to follow these very clear teachings, our life begins to look more and more like the one we're following. Our lives are meant to look like Christ because we're meant to be like Christ. We are meant to become Christ uh, 
by his very gift of his love, the very gift of his Holy Spirit. So we need to follow that. And I think that uh, really reveals for us the good news of the gospel today. It certainly starts off looking ominous for the rich man. And that parable is meant to stir our attention to the reality that how we live has an impact on what happens next in the life to come. It's a warning, yes, but not a warning without a cure. And the cure is to love. And love truly means to follow Christ and to live like him in all things. And by the grace of God, he's revealed to us what love looks like, both in the person of Christ, but even before that, in all of the teachings that we've inherited from our Jewish brothers and sisters in their faith and from God's revelation of human nature in his own creation of the world and the little lessons and signs that he's revealed to us of what human life is meant to be from the very gift of creation. So may you and I uh, take up this, both the, 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 the joy of God's mercy bestowed upon us through his Son and the challenge of God's mercy to live so that others may be invited to the faith, that others may see Christ in us because we've chosen to live a life like him. That life is a life of sacrifice, of sharing what we believe, It's a life of invitation through our actions and our goodness to be a sign of invitation to others to come and to learn how to lay their life down with Christ as a gift and offering to our God in thanksgiving for his mercy and as a sign of our love for him. May we take up that call, the joy of God's mercy and the challenge of God's mercy, to live our faith boldly and courageously for all whom God places in our path every day of our life.